0: Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello Buglers, and welcome to Bugle issue 4081 and a half. I'm currently in Kolkata, India, the city from where the British Empire used to run a large wadge of this planet through our unique British trademark canny combination of charm, violence, big buildings, big sticks, and paperwork. So much paperwork. Did you know that all the paperwork generated by the British Empire now makes up 35.8% of the mass of this planet? No, of course you didn't, because obviously it's a false fact, but in this day and age, let's just run with it, it's basically true. More on this in the forthcoming two-part BBC Radio 4 series I'm doing with Anuvab Pal coming to a radio or virtual radio near you in October. So I could not record a full bugle this week, a shame in such an exciting week for American patriarchal bullying, and with Jeremy Corbyn, choose one of the following three options to finish the sentence, depending on your political preference. Speaking to the Labour Party conference, stroke, dressing up as Lenin and singing I'm going to knock you out in Russian, stroke, saving the entire future of the world like the returning and now understandably grey-bearded Jesus he so obviously is. Instead, whilst I was in Mumbai, I met up with Indian comedian Aditi Mittal, who you will remember from one of the Bugle Live shows in Melbourne earlier this year, to talk about the big stories in India this week. And there have been some big stories. It's a big country and full of, well, big stories and unending fascinations. Here's me talking to Aditi in Mumbai this week. Returning to the Bugle after a, a spectacular debut at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. It's great to see you again.
1: In, in more familiar surroundings, I add. welcome to my sweaty, humid, oligo-capitalistic democracy. <laughs> welcome, you. Oh, it's,
0: it's great to be back. It's my first visit to India for, I think, four years. Still not quite finished, is it, as a, as a place?
1: <laughs> oh, not yet. Yeah. We're getting there, though. Yeah. <laughs> We're getting there. We're getting um, there.
0: Would you say India's become more chaotic in the last four years, or does it has it reached a kind of plateauing point?
1: You know, I sometimes worry that India is existing in a permanent state of chaos. Like the discussions that we sit down and have right now, I imagine that pretty similar discussions were being had in the seventies, where everyone was like, "Oh my god, this country is going to collapse. This country is going to die. We're all going." And then twenty years later, the next generation is like, "Oh my god, this country is going to collapse. <laughs> we're all going to die."
0: So I don't know. So it's just the basic state of existence. Because I, mean, I think every time I come to India, I'm struck not by how chaotic it is, but the fact that anything works at all. Given the number of people here, <laughs> the, the lack of infrastructure that we very generously uh, left as a parting gift. Um, it's, uh, it's extraordinary. Uh, we've been, I've been following on the Bugle, uh, particularly the last couple of years... That some of the spectacular rulings from the Indian Supreme Courts. Uh, because I've, we've had Anubhav on quite a bit, and he's a you know, big fan of the language of these. Oh, I was like, I, he's a fan of
1: the Supreme Court. <laughs> so anubhav <laughs>
0: well, well, It's more just the, the language of it. Well, there's a couple of r- recent rulings that we'll, 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 we'll talk about now. And I'd explain this a ruling that came today on uh, was it on my pronunciation of of, of words is, is terrible I keep, <laughs> keep being told by all my Indian friends no it's
1: just attempted it'll be funny Aadhar. Ad- that's right
0: right there we go, we
1: go. see see. so yeah the, uh, today was a pretty big day uh, at the Supreme Court because uh, there was a ruling uh, about Aadhaar and uh, now Aadhaar uh, means base in English and uh, the idea was that Aadhaar is supposed to be a 12 digit unique identification number uh, corresponding with which you would give in your biometric information your eyes and your fingerprints Uh, And it would be sort of the base of uh, every Indian citizen, uh, you know, to be able to sort of like get into the digital revolution, as it were. And you know that uh, data is the new oil.
0: Yes, absolutely. Uh,
1: That was, by the way, I looked this up. It was a (laughs) uh, phrase coined by Mr. Clive Humby, a UK mathematician and architect of Tesco's Club Card. (laughs) What? Just, I think the, the, the sort of inanity of that fact yeah. is quite mind-boggling.
0: Yes. So, I mean, it is, it's the world's largest biometric ID program. And that is a challenge that's been laid down. I imagine as we speak, Dubai have heard this and are working out how to make an even bigger biometric ID program with for, for all living creatures backed by the world's largest ID cards. Each card, 20 meters high, <laughs> 50 meters wide, for no reason, just for the fact that it has to break pointless records. <laughs>
1: Got to be as big as they come.
0: So, but basically, in in summary, uh, it seems to me, so this this it's voluntary, but you can't do anything without it. Which is, is that right?
1: yeah, and so now the initial intention of Aadhaar was to be able to plug the leaks in welfare distribution from the state to the people. Um, having said that, in the process, and so, of course, activists went after it uh, when it started becoming very, very sort of mandatory in random places. And activists went after this and said, this is... One, unconstitutional, and two, it violates our fundamental right to privacy. Uh, the court responded to that by saying, Do you even have a right to privacy? Lol, <laughs> la 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 um, la. And so, for two years, they were deciding whether the Indian citizen had the fundamental right to privacy. And in those two years, um, everything from our biscuits to our laxatives. Had to be linked by Aadhaar. Like they would, they would not give you a death certificate if you didn't have an Aadhaar card. I was like, "Am I to have to live forever?" This is exhausting. Like I, I keep imagining, you know. I mean, the, sort of the the Hindu mythology believes in rebirth. Yeah. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that uh, it reached that point where they were like, you will not be reborn if you don't come <laughs> to heaven with an Aadhaar card. And at the same time, this was being sort of pushed by banks, by telecom companies, by literally anything um, for you to give it as your one point identification. Um, and I mean, of course, activists are concerned. This is sort of putting uh, all your data in one place. And what happens if someone steals your biometric data? Do you go get new eyes? <laughs> do you get new thumbs? Nobody knows.
0: Oh, and that's an interesting new commercial market, isn't it? The, the...
1: Hey, organ trade. Yeah. Just some more. Well,
0: you could get you could get celebrity eyes. I mean, there'd be a huge market for that, wouldn't you? have yeah, you know, Shah Rukh Khan's eyes. <laughs>
1: oh, my God. That would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, just, cause I, I just There's a lot of Bollywood heroes whose eyes I do not want to steal. Right. Because I don't know what all they have seen. <laughs> <laughs> And somehow I don't want to relive that. Right. But so, yeah. And so uh, the decision made by the Supreme Court today was uh, whether Aadhaar was unconstitutional or not. And uh, they have unfortunately or fortunately upheld Aadhaar as uh, the sort of uh, as a system that will continue to function as something that plugs leakages in the welfare system, uh, but has sort of taken off the pressure of, you know, connecting your bank account and connecting your uh, various telecom, everything to it. Um, And of course, may I say this, I mean, this is just totally a conspiracy theory, nothing to do (laughs) with anything that has happened in the past or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) But like this giant collection of data uh, of the giantest collection of people, number of people in the world uh, is open, going to be open to a lot of misuse.
0: Yes. Well, I mean, I, I mean, just look through history, have governments and big business ever misused this kind of
1: information? I don't believe so. I don't believe so. It's
0: a democracy, you can
1: trust it. And my personal opinion is this, right, if they're going to have all my data and they're going to use it to sell me stuff, why should somebody else be making money off of my data? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I I, I want some, like, I want in on this. Wherever you're selling it to, whatever you're doing with it, I want in. Uh, Because actually, sadly enough, you know, I mean, one of the most sort of Terrifying memories of 2002 people had Was that uh, On 1984 and 2002 Which were sort of Two very prominent pogroms In Indian history uh, Or in recent Indian history um, You know they were talking about How people went from house to house Because they had election lists In their hands So they knew where every person Of a particular community lived And were able to do more directed And targeted murdering Right uh, Which which is not something The state would ever do
0: (laughs) (laughs) Certainly not your no, currently, would no,
1: he does not have a track record for said activity. Yes. And so now the Right to Information Act was introduced in India in 2005. Uh, and at that point in time, it was quite robust and uh, quite a lot of sort of uh, good things came out of it. But now the new proposed amendments state that uh, information uh, that is likely to do harm and that harm outweighs public interest Means that you know your RTI can be rejected on the basis of that, and that basically weakens the Right to Information Act. Um, And uh, how the two are connected is actually quite interesting. Is because the government has been giving, like, has been sort of just talking out of its governmental posterior. (laughs) uh, You know, giving facts about, giving uh, statistics about how Aadhaar has helped people. Uh, But whenever you file an RTI to get that information, whether it's true or not, you're sort of hitting these roadblocks. Right. Uh, and so I, I reckon that uh, it's about the citizens' right to privacy from the government and the government's right to hide information from its citizens.
0: <laughs> the government's right to privacy as well.
1: There you go. Yeah.
0: Uh, there was a couple of interesting things uh, that I, um, <laughs> struck me about it. One was that the, these, these numbers, the Aadhaar numbers, are, that's, they're only 12 digits. Now, that's assuming that the population of India is not going to reach 1 trillion now, on the current rate, it's about 1.3 billion, and it's doubled in 40 years. So assuming it carries on at the same rate, we're looking at exa- exactly, and I have made up the maths here, 376 years until this system becomes obsolete from having too many people in.
1: That's long enough for us to build up a mythology around it. <laughs> like, trust me, in 376 years, I'm hoping that we're not going to be looking back and calling these the good old days.
0: Amen. Um, there's been a few glitches uh, as well um, some uh, some agencies apparently were marketing the cards as smart cards despite the fact that they have no official validity and no chip in them
1: you know so I'll tell you uh, which is amazing because welcome to Indian colloquialisms right <laughs> smart card is any card that is laminated <laughs> that's what. Like, if you go out onto the street right now, you will see Bond saying, we will convert your pan card into a smart card. We'll convert your Aadhaar card into a smart card. It's just a smart card because you won't smudge it. <laughs> That's
0: why. I, mean. well, I guess it's smarter, all things being relative. Yeah. Um, uh, no,
1: not so smart for the people who are getting it done to their yeah. cards.
0: Uh, so part of the Supreme Court judgment uh, it was the, these words, Aadhaar gives dignity to the marginalised. Dignity to the marginalised outweighs privacy. Well, this is a kind of scissors, paper, stone type game, isn't it? I think privacy outweighs corporate power and wealth, but corporate power and wealth outweighs dignity to the margin. <laughs> there's, there's, no, there's no winner in this, is there?
1: That's exactly it. That's ex- like, either way, someone's going to get hurt real bad. Yes. Real bad.
0: And and also, the, I mean, this was a direct quote I saw in an uh, online newspaper report about it, that from the Supreme Court judgment... One cannot throw the baby out with the bathwater. I mean, that's the kind of language you don't get in a lot of Supreme Court judgments. And also, I mean, it is true that throwing babies out with bathwaters has become logistically more difficult yeah. since the invention of the plug. Be, yeah. well, the plug being smaller than the baby, whereas you just chuck the whole thing out. It was so much easier to get rid of babies in those days.
1: When you just yeah, I mean, and now, I, now, I mean, we're living in a time when throwing babies is frowned upon. It
0: is, yeah. So very that much so. that
1: sort of colloquialism is uh, a little dated. Yes, my add.
0: <laughs> Another Supreme Court uh, uh, ruling this week has ruled that election candidates, uh, after filing their nominations for election, <laughs> should have to make public declarations in print and electronic media about their criminal records and impending criminal cases. And I mean it's, it's leave me to think there are gonna be some absolutely fing enormous newspapers in India just because <laughs> you know, people picking up their morning newspapers saying, God, the politics section is two hundred and eighty one pages long this, this what's happening old all- what- kind guys of elections?
1: <laughs> I, I, I mean you know I, I think that's a very sort of strangely optimistic thing to say. Uh, considering how much honor are you expecting among (laughs) thieves (laughs) if you're gonna expect them to come up and be like hey did all this still vote for me and in fact I think uh, 2019 we're heading towards a very interesting time because uh, Shambhu Reghar who was uh, the accused of uh, murdering uh, a Muslim laborer on camera the video went viral um, he actually decided to run for election on the basis of his uh, murder video. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> wow. does he need to declare or, or did his declaration come first and right. then the public office running? Right. Who knows? Um, and so, yeah, it's, uh, I, I don't know if, if they expect people to come out directly and say it. And if they do, I really want to see like make it interesting. You know what I'm saying? I yeah. want to see a couple of songs. Right. Uh, I want you to see you sort of like acted out uh, in your favorite genre of film. Right. You know, uh, (laughs) a a sort of like a musical version of the time that you, you know, did an honor killing of your daughter. Right. That kind of thing. Um,
0: Liven up politics.
1: Yeah. I mean, and 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 I would vote for you. I would vote for you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, there has been a a, a trial scheme run. um, In fact, in the 2016 U.S. election, uh, when Donald Trump laid out exactly what a horrific man he is. People <laughs> yeah, responded worked. to that honest, honesty and they voted him It in.
1: worked, right, for Donald Trump. So why wouldn't it work for a petty criminal here? The idea of sort of telling uh, people what crime you've committed uh, while you're running for office might inform them as to whether the crime you committed was in an attempt to be with the people. All oh, right. okay.
0: That That's interesting. Right? Yeah.
1: And I, it struck me because I, like, I think personally the Supreme Court could have said something to the damn political parties that are fielding these damn candidates. But, I mean, what do I know? <laughs> what do I know? Like, political parties shouldn't be fielding murderers. Uh,
0: I think we can agree on that. Yeah. <laughs> we can agree on that.
1: Across the world with yeah. thoughts so similar, Andy. Yeah.
0: It's amazing. Only someone had, had that idea, I don't know, what, two and a half thousand years ago. Of course <laughs> Politics around the world would have been very different. Um, so there's an election next uh, next May. Yeah, in um, 2019. So uh, Narendra Modi is uh, is he likely to is he likely to stay in power then? And if so, what will that mean for India? Because he, he is a leader who I think it's fair to say splits opinion uh, in
1: quite avidly
0: Yes, with a, an extremely divisive axe.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: what's your What's your prediction?
1: Uh, i think 2000 and uh, is going to be actually a big year i don't know the way the, the elections are going to go because uh, as i was telling you there was of course there have been several floating conspiracy theories about evms being rigged and uh, uh you know lots of lots of sort of um i mean i think actually i don't know i don't know about indian elections ever cuz you can your vote can be bought for like a plate of biryani and so so, I, I, I don't know how we're going to vote as a country. I have no idea. And uh, the only hope, of course, is that, you know, we've been sort of now that we sort of went through the high of 2014 when there were all these promises and there was all this shosha and the sort of PR was slick and tight and amazing, um, you know, to the general gradual unraveling of these promises of development and all the development is such a catch all, terrible term right now. It's embarrassing. Um, and so, you know, I think it remains to be seen as to what tactics uh, both parties will employ closer to elections. Uh, will there be uh, riots? Uh, will there be? So
0: the know, riot would be that—that's an electoral tactic, is it? The, oh the yeah, riot, right? Yeah. We need to pick up on this in Britain. I think.
1: No. Don't. Please, don't. <laughs> Please don't. Please don't. Please um, don't. Yeah. So I don't know. 2000, 2019 could be a doozy. Who knows?
0: Right. That's a good prediction. Could be a doozy. Hey, yo! (laughs) A a court in uh, Kerala, the southern state of India, has has, uh, ruled in favour of a lesbian couple who want to to, uh, live together. And earlier this month, uh, the Supreme Court decriminalised homosexuality, essentially. They struck down Section 377 of India's penal code, which uh, was a colonial-era law, uh, that criminalised homosexuality. Thank you. You're welcome. This was a further detail. Section 377 was passed in 1861. <laughs> it was a British law based on another British law from 1533, <laughs> which we'd re- Britain had repealed in 1828. So that was our- anyway, Here you go, India. This uh, is one we no longer need. Uh,
1: <laughs> you, yeah, you just passed down your address. Thank you. Thank you for that, I guess.
0: Uh, you're very very well (laughs) so
1: yeah I mean yeah the Supreme Court did get major props Uh, you know during that time everyone was all like like dewy eyed for the Supreme Court because uh, uh, 377 uh, decriminalized homosexuality uh, which means it was just one less charge uh, to sort of put on young couples uh, or you know people who are just roaming around in public life Uh, it was one less charge to bring to the table when they were taken in by the police and uh so it was sort of a huge landmark thing, and it had we we had sort of uh, the Supreme Court had considered it in 2013 and then put it aside uh, for reconsideration in 2018, uh, and which is when it finally managed to get passed. And what is actually happening now is going to be very interesting because it intersects with a lot of things, right? It intersects with um, uh, the right to self-determination uh, because these two uh, women in Kerala. Uh, you know, they were sort of, the, what the specifics of this case are that it's a 24-year-old and a 40-year-old. And the 24-year-old's parents went to the police, said she's missing, uh, took her. So when uh, the police found her, took her back home and they put her in a mental asylum. And uh, then, you know, I mean, so they went and fought this case and everything. And the Kerala High Court came in and said, no, you know what, this is allowed. And this is going to change a lot. Like this is going to just this one sort of change in not even the act itself it's just that one law is going to change a lot of uh, rulings for the years to come uh, so it's I think this is just the beginning in that sense um, I don't know I didn't say anything funny regarding that I just thought I like, I think no, it's really it, cool it's in free
0: as India as India Modernizes as a country, and clearly there's all kinds of competing forces at play. There do seem to be these sort of these landmarks along the way, but also forces sort of tugging back towards traditionalism. Um, And uh, yeah, but it's, uh, I mean, clearly in in Britain we only legalised gay marriage. I think five or six. Six years ago. How I mean, how how comfortable is India with this this sort of progress to a more sort of open-minded society?
1: So you know, I believe that for any change, uh, especially for any social change in India right now, what's going to happen is there are two kinds of uh, processes that are have to take place. One is of course the legal process, and the the other one is the overarching cultural process. It's going to definitely be a longer-term process. But when you have uh, the Constitution or the Supreme Court on your side. Uh, It just makes it easier to sort of call upon uh, when you're being, you know, dragged for it, I guess. You know, we've had a series of, in the past two weeks, we've had a series of honor killings, uh, which are caste-based honor killings. And I love that we call it honor killings because it sounds like a really cute thing. Like, (laughs) it's honor. Like, oh.
0: Um, it's, it's, not any, it's, a, it's a bizarre euphemism isn't it and the world is full of weird euphemisms From
1: like I, I think my favourite euphemism is eve teasing right? which is like harassment like like sexually harassing a woman on the road is called eve teasing which sounds like something a puppy would do <laughs> under a f***ing rainbow right <laughs> <laughs> nobody is eve teasing me when you're like screaming at me from behind the road but that's what it's called and so the language around these things as well honour killings for example has been Sort of, and it's always been sided with the person who is doing the murdering, right? So the uh, the purpose for these last three ones that uh, sort of have, and they really didn't get much play in mainstream media, was because uh, you know they um, they were basically women from upper castes who ran away and eloped with uh, men from lower castes, and the uh, fathers and the families of these women came and hacked these men to death. Like hacked them to death, and I don't know. Like I, I, feel like sometimes the brutality of it doesn't hit us anymore. Like just like when you're walking down the street and you see a car hurtling it you on, on a Bombay road, you don't feel anything anymore. Uh, but hacking, you know, someone to death, and these are just consenting adults, uh, as we discussed in that lesbian story. They are lesbian story, as we discussed <laughs> in the other Kerala story. You know, these are consenting adults, but the uh, imposition of honor is so strong and so crazy that. Uh, people are willing to murder for it and I find it sort of, uh, do you know the caste system Andy by the way?
0: Well uh, only superficially I think, yes I don't know the intricacies of how it practically works.
1: You know, so the the caste system, uh, mythologically, the sort of origin story is that uh, there was a certain god and, uh, you know, he was sort of giving birth to the different kinds of people. And so he gave birth to the Brahmins from the head, which is why they are the ones that hold knowledge. He gave birth to the sho- uh, Kshatriyas, which is the warrior class from their shoulders, which is why they like really buff, I guess. And then the, the Vaishyas... Uh, from the stomach Which is the trader class So they do trading For like money And then the feet Which was the uh, Shudras Which was the uh, You know The schedule caste The Dalits The OBCs The tribals uh, And they are sort of In charge of cleaning up Society And so And, and
0: science generally Disagrees with that Theory of human evolution Now Is that fair yeah,
1: You know I would say Because the thing is I've tried to I, I, I've looked at Looked out for people Giving birth through their legs <laughs> And I have not seen a single recorded, right. uh, this thing of it.
0: Well, I've, I've seen two births <laughs> and definitely neither was through a leg. <laughs> neither, neither of them.
1: No, you're not even saying like a really generous thigh.
0: No, definitely not. <laughs>
1: okay. No. No. So, um, and so, you know, there's four types and the, the sort of the, the lower classes have experienced brutal oppression uh, and it's one of those things that actually nobody in india talks about even i've personally sort of started learning about it they don't they don't talk about it in school they talk about it like it's a thing of the past and this doesn't happen anymore and you know the, the kinds of things that you'll see like recently a dalit man got murdered because he kept a mustache And the upper caste men in his village didn't like it. And so they murdered him. Now, the guy rode a horse at his wedding and they were like, no, this is an upper caste activity. And so they murdered him. And it made me realize honor is anything that pisses men off. Like tomorrow I could be eating an ice cream and if a man doesn't like it, he'd be like, that's against my honor and kill me. And I think that's sort of, it's a, um, it's one of the most unspoken and un- um, like, even the way our media covers it is very upper class. is very, it doesn't acknowledge. And I'm mean, like, this is 50% of the population of this country we are talking about right now. Uh, but the way media is structured, the way, sorry, I'm, I'm saying nothing funny. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I mean, this is um,
0: um,
1: The way media is structured, the way our uh, storytelling paradigms are structured, the voices and the stories only belong to the upper caste. They only, I mean, that's why I am, I, I keep thinking of myself as, oh, wow, I'm this unique f-ing butterfly. Oh, woman, comedy, English, all this stuff. But the truth is that there are millions. uh, I mean, like it really doesn't, it's not about merit because there are millions who just have not had access to the opportunities that I have. And it's just a function of birth. Like this country is crazy. It's all about where you were born. That determines what your life is going to be like. And um, so these murders have been taking place rampantly. Um, And I think they sort of tie in to the same thing that uh, I was telling about Sati earlier um, is that where they... Um, it's all about endogamy. It's all about maintaining this purity uh, of the bloodline, that the uteruses, of, uteri of our women, you know, shall only be seated by the, the men of higher castes and, you know, warriors and, and brahmins, whatever, right? Um, and so it sort of ties into that and that's why they would literally murder the wife after the husband was gone because they were like, we don't want you, your uteri, to be available to anybody else. It has to remain within the community and... Which is why this backlash of just murdering husbands in broad daylight. She was a pregnant woman and they hacked her husband to death in front of her. Um, all because he belonged to a lower caste. And all because it was just, you know... And they call it an honour killing. They call it an honour killing. I'm like, this is like someone stabbing me to death and saying, this is a knife incident. No, <laughs> I'm dead. Like, so, yeah, I think, I'm. you know, it's sort but of... I think we see
0: around the world... There's this clash at the moment between space age technology and yeah. medieval politics, religion, tradition.
1: Yeah.
0: There's no a, I know, there's no easy resolution to it. I mean, are you optimistic for what India will be like in thirty years time compared with what it was like, say, thirty years ago and looking at it now?
1: That's what I was telling you at the beginning. I don't think so. I think we're gonna we're all gonna be at the precipice of break down every day I and mean, we're not going to know if we're going to make I don't know that's that's why right. I say 2019 is a
0: doozy Well, <laughs> <laughs> so tune in for we'll, we'll, we'll pick this up in the, uh, 2048 and we'll see how things have turned out There you go, Buglers, that is all. Do not forget to come to all the forthcoming Bugle live shows, Salford on the 7th of October, Dublin on the 8th of October, London on the 14th of November, and also there's my uh, one-off stand-up show in Toronto on the 20th of October. If you hear this in time, I'm also doing a show in Mumbai on the 2nd of October. Plus, there's the third instalment of my certifiable history at Soho Theatre from the 18th of December to the 6th of January. We'll be back next week to pick over the bones of whatever is left of the American judiciary. Until then, from Kolkata, goodbye. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth, Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better